So, hi everyone, welcome to Freedom Fanatics. Um, this is a production of the Freedom Advocacy Network. And my name is Sholen, and this week I'm joined by Sempe, who is an analyst at the Center for Risk Analysis, and Gerbrand, who is a first-time guest and the deputy of research at the Center for Risk Analysis. Uh, so, Sempe, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Sempe. And Gerbrand, how does it feel being a first-time guest on the show today? Um, I feel honored. I feel excited. I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So this week, our focus essentially on Freedom Fanatics will be on South Africa's education system, and we'll be discussing some of its successes and failures. So I think we're going to get straight into it. Um, Simpel, I'll start with you. So, you know, not a lot of people know that South Africa's education sector makes up a major part of government spending. So essentially my question to you is, what is the education budget in South Africa and how does it compare to other countries in the world? Sure. Um, so the, the education budget, as you say, is enormous in South Africa and it, it is one of the biggest globally. Um, I mean, so last year, the overall education budget was for, for last year, let me just check my figures. It was um, over 400 billion and for this year, it is estimated to be um, close to 450 billion. And the majority of that um, of that budget goes to the basic education sector. And so this, so last year we saw that it was just over 300 billion. Um, and this year it's expected to be around 316 billion Rand. Sure. And so, the, you know, when we compare this with more, you know, with bit, with um, other countries that have more developed economies, we see that South Africa is still ranking pretty high. Um, based on World Bank estimates, on a global on a global scale, the average of public spending on education is around 14.3%, and South Africa's is nearly 20%. So you can see the gap there. And you know, once once you take that further and start to examine the outcomes thereof, you see that South Africa is spending all this money yet it's not translating into um in, into good quality outcomes and so you know this this is this is the education illusion in south africa you know we spend so yeah. much money but the outcomes are not as they should be yeah and that's a good segue actually to my next question which is directed to Herbrand, because as you say there's there's large sums of money being spent on our education system and it continues to surprise me that you know we still see a lack of facilities we see um children dying in pit toilets in some regions of the country which is horrific i'm like so where is this money actually going to and that's why my my question for you Herbrand, is have the resources which are allocated to our education system actually resulted into good education outcomes? Um, I think the short answer is no. Um, as Simpe has described for us now, we spend all this money. Uh, we actually spend more money on education, twice as, more, uh, twice as much percentage-wise uh, than Japan and uh, Spain and other developed markets. Yet their edu educational outcomes um, are much higher than, than ours. And um, I, I think I'll refer to our throughput rate uh, just to show you how dire the situation is. So from the 2018 uh, grade 10 class, only 56%, little more than a half, actually make it to matric in 2022. 
of that original grade 10 cohort, only 40% um, managed to pass matric, uh, well, uh, managed to pass matric, uh, that is, and then only 20% uh, of the original grade 10 class managed to pass matric well enough in order to get uh, university entrance. And 12% of those, um, you know, managed to pass maths, the very important subject, um, yeah. uh, as we all know. And um, I think what's also very indicative of how poor our schooling uh, system is, is the growth in private or independent schools. Uh, whenever you see a high rate of privatization, that is indicative of a failing of failing state uh, institutions. I think between 2000 and 2022, the number of independent schools increased by 130%, whereas the number of state schools actually declined. <laughs> we actually have less state schools now than we did uh, a few years ago. Um, and yeah, it, it, I think what's also a big problem here is because we have such uh, poor quality schools, um, having a matric certificate uh, doesn't mean that much anymore today. Um, that is why we see such huge emphasis on university education and tertiary degrees, uh, because uh, that has become the only avenue to employment. In fact, those who have a tertiary degree are actually twice as likely to find a job than those with uh, with only a matric certificate. And not everyone can go to university. And that is one of the big reasons why we've seen um, high unemployment rates in this country uh, uh, existing for decades. And that's also one of the main reasons why we've seen so much instability at uh, universities with the hashtag fees must fall movement because not everybody can afford going to university but that has become the only way to actually find a way to to carve out a career for yourself that is sustainable um so all in all um south africa has a very 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 poor education system and yet not much as being done about that. You don't see the government actually proposing, you know, good plans in order to improve the education system. They they always talk about, oh, the big problems are, you know, um, uh, white monopoly capital, we need more transformation policies, um, we need land expropriation without compensation, all these other types of uh, policies. But yeah. the one of the biggest problems that we face, the government is simply not addressing, never talking about, is education. Yeah, absolutely. And simply speaking, something that Gerbrand touched on was, um, you know, the outcomes that we actually, if we like the fact that many metrics who actually even get metric, they are not necessarily absorbed into the economy, like they aren't actually contributing to the economy and not actually employed. That's why we experience such high unemployment rates. So that, that, that's directly to, directing towards my question for you, essentially. What can we expect from those who are actually, you know, but have matriculated and we have our matric results coming up later this week, um, if I remember correctly. What can we expect from these matric results, especially since there's been a lot of controversy surrounding the release of the results? 
Yeah. Um, Sholin, so, you know, this, this, this week, we hopefully will be seeing the results. Um, you know, we're, we're also expect, you know, waiting anxiously as much as the students to see these yeah. results. And, you know, these, these, this year's results are coming out two weeks later than they usually do. Um, so I think, you know, there's quite a lot of pressure on, um, the metrics of 2021 and, you know, I can't, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't say exactly what <laughs> what could play out. But, you know, based off of historical trends and the performance and output um, of students who sit down for their metric or their national senior, national senior certificate exam, excuse me, um, is that, you know, there's a decline in the output. When you look at the level of um, achievement, so this is always expressed, you know, in this type of, um, the the level of your um, your pass that you achieve going out and the highest being um, a bachelor's degree, which allows you university entrance, and then it goes lower and lower. Um, you know, fewer students are qualifying for university once they're leaving school and, um, and the, you know, pupils passing at like 40% and above would achieve an, a higher certificate. And even that, a uh, diploma, excuse me, even that proportion is declining and you know, we see this trend particularly in the years between 2015 and 2021, uh, 2020. So I do not have very high expectations that the overall pass rate this year will be higher than last year's cohort in particular, uh, the previous cohort. Um, I, yeah, I think that we can just, we can assume that that is a given. And um, I think we will also see a disparity between the between wealthier schools and the you know underfunded rural schools um you know at the at the cra we use um quintiles which is a it's a school poverty ranking system and when we look at quintile schools you know we see that we can really tell the difference between a, um we, we can almost um, anticipate a student's uh, performance based on their socioeconomic background. Um, so students from quintile one schools, which are the poorest, are likely to fail maths six times, uh, six times more likely to fail maths than pupils from quintile five school, schools, which are wealthier ones. And mm. so I think we're going to see this a greater gap this year. Um, and that's also especially given to the fact that this matric class has lived through nearly two years of COVID. Um, and in their grade 11 year, a lot of schools lost um, teaching time. And yeah. I think yeah. the schools that are affected are the poorest again, because they don't have access to um, internet connection and you know laptops and so on. And so their schooling didn't happen once um, COVID regulations didn't allow for students to come into school. Um, and the government's been telling us that that particular um, class, the grade 11 class of last year, uh, of 2020, lost half of their school year. They were not sure. in school for half of the year. And so you, you can just imagine the, the grade gaps that we're going to see. Um, I think we'll also see a smaller proportion of students actually sitting down for the school exams. I mean, you have, you have the candidates, you have the NSC candidates, and then you have the candidates that actually sit down for the metric exams. And you'll see, I think, a greater dropout rate this year. Yeah, and simply, I just wanna ask a quick question on the quintile system that you spoke of. So would, you, would it be right to assume that the majority of the schools in the top, the more wealthier schools tend to be more private schools than public um, 
Definitely. educational facilities. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. And with, as Simpi said, um, Khairman, things are going on a downward spiral and it's not looking good. And my question to you essentially is what can be done by not only our government leaders, but community leaders as well um, to improve this situation and actually turn things around? Yeah, I think um, uh, one uh, proposal that the Institute of Race Relations has um, come up with a few years ago, which I think is uh, fantastic, is uh, education voucher system. So um, what is currently happening in, in South Africa is that you tend to find your, your good private schools and your former Model C schools in, in the suburbs and uh, a lot of the schools in, in the township areas and in much poorer areas tend to not have enough resources, um, funds um, or uh, enough qualified staff. So a lot of those parents really want to um, have their children go to private schools or Model C school, for former Model C schools, but um, those types of schools come with a price. And that's, of course, um, out of reach for the majority of parents in this country. Um, and so what the RR proposed with their um, education voucher system is that, you know, we spend billions and billions of rands on, on teacher salaries in, in this uh, country. But some of the, the money there can be used to, um, can be channeled to this education voucher system. So you can, for example, have a voucher in the form of a smart card with a few thousand rand on it. And then you give that to parents, especially parents who don't have a lot of income. And then they are financially empowered to take their children to much better off schools. And not only will that benefit parents and their children, but it will also create competition in the market. Because I think what is necessary in, in the education system here in South Africa is a bit more competition. So when um, poor performing schools um, actually start noticing that they are losing pupils to um, school schools in the, the suburbs, to private schools, they will then have the incentive as well to up their game and to perform better and provide better quality education. Um, then I would also just briefly want to mention some other factors that I think we could improve on. Um, firstly, I think the, the influence of the South African Democratic Trade Union, SACTU, has been very destructive in the last few years. They often embark on strikes, um, which disrupt schools and, and education. And uh, of course, pupils are the biggest victims um, of, mm -hmm. of those strikes. Um, it has also been known, uh, it has been discovered that SATU has been very influential in um, appointing uh, certain people. They were actually, um, yeah, I read a few years ago in in schools in KwaZulu-Natal and I think in the Northwest as well, Satu was actually selling posts. They were selling teacher yeah. posts, principal posts. 
Um, I mean, that is cadre deployment right there and corruption right there. So Satu has um, allowed not the right people to, to enter schools and to play very important parts in those schools. And we all know that um, principals um, play a huge role in the success of a school. And so um, uh, I've also read um, in a, an article once that there have been a few principals who were threatened with violence um, to leave their posts so that somebody else can buy their post for 30,000 Rand or 11,000 Rand. Um, it's, it's incredible what sometimes happens in this country. Um, so the, the influence of Satu needs to be lessened and there should be more decision-making power uh, be given to um, school governing bodies or SGBs. Uh, um, school governing bodies, of course, um, consist of teachers, uh, but also primarily of parents and pupils. And these are parents and, and pupils who then have, an, have, have a say in how their school is run. And if you give SGBs the power to uh, appoint their own principal, I mean, that can go a far away to improve the function of that school. Yes. Of course, uh, appointments based on merit um, should also um, uh, feature um, highly. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, also to, to realize that just throwing money at the problem like our government currently is doing, I mean, that's not, uh, uh, that's not the way to, to improve things. There's a lot of different factors that, that need attention, which I yeah. think have been neglected in these last few years. Yeah, thanks for that. That was extremely informative, guys. Um, we have reached the end of this episode now. Thank you, Herbert, and thank you, Shippi, for making the time and being here with us and, you know, enlightening us a bit about South Africa's education system. And, we, yeah, so don't forget to catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, IGTV, Facebook, YouTube, um, at Badger of Liberty. And to join fan, you can support our fight for freedom at freedomadvocacy.net. And remember, guys, that your freedom is always worth fighting for.